How can a fandom be toxic? This is the question that we will be examining today on this episode of America's Most Meta Podcast, The Pod People. I'm not the RZA, I'm not the Jizza, nor am I the Method Man, Inspector Deck, Raekwon, or the U-God, or the Old Dirty Bastard, but I am the Ghostface Killer, Matisse Van Rossum. Hey. All right, I'm... Uh, <laughs> sorry, we're sitting on opposite sides of the couch. There's a bit of confusion um, between who is going next. Uh, I guess it's me. Um, hi, I'm Cleveland Mosier, and I'm feeling fresh and stabulous. Man, I was going to make a Wu-Tang joke here. You know what? I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Do it. Wu-Tang is for the children. I'm Ben Sheets. I am also the Ghostface Killer. Much like this movie, there's two Ghostface Killers. There's always two Ghostface Killers. Killers rule everything around me. Cream. Get to, get to stabbing. Oh, God. Oh, God. He's stabbing me, y'all. <laughs> and we are joined by returning heavyweight champion, honorary pod boy, Sarah Morris. Sarah, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Ding, ding, ding. Glad to be back. That was me carrying on the wrestling theme. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Well, heavyweight too. Yeah, Sarah it's our Morris. first, our first new film of the year. We're starting the year off with a bang. We're talking about Scream, not to be confused with Scream, but it's Scream that came out this year, just now. I've been calling it Scream to save on confusion. Uh, this is the fifth film in the Scream franchise. And is this the only one not directed by Wes Craven? Did he do the other four? Yes, he did. All four of them. R.I.P. R.I.P. The Legend. Yeah. Uh, well, this one was directed by uh, Matt Bedinelli Olpen and Tyler Gillett, who uh, also did Ready or Not. They go by the name Radio Silence. I Radio don't know if Silence. I caught that at the end of the movie. I did not catch that. Um, <sighs> What? I, I forgot. I had a better nickname that I had. I've had on my mind for like two weeks. I had one at the beginning. It was going to be. I don't want no scrim. Scrim is a guy who won't get no love from me. And I forgot about it. And uh, so I'm just putting it in here now instead. And it was good. And I. God damn it. Well, you know, that's a good segue, because you know, going into this movie, I wasn't sure if I wanted any scram. Yeah, if it was going to get no love from me or not. I didn't know if this, the, if this scram was going to get no love from me. Truth. I mean, I, I think, uh, I, I mean, hell, just uh, a couple episodes ago, we did our predictions. Um, there was definitely some skepticism going into this one. Uh, some scrap. Scream some some scrim oh, fuck I'm not even gonna try nope. to parse that moving on moving on um, <laughs> let's keep it well this rolling. is this is the first scream film since uh, 2011 I think is when Scream Four came out uh, and uh, I'm not sure who was asking for this movie but we got it and surprise it actually turned out to be pretty good turns out it was me in the future asking for this movie it I loved it turns out we do need a Scream movie in 2022 yeah and yeah. I think I think need is valid I, I think I think like this this movie's commentary was fucking great yeah it, it, it said fun. some things that I think didn't need to be said at a meta film in the year of our lord 2022 yeah well much like the trailer for ready or not I think the trailer for Scream was uh which is what i'm gonna call it from now on scrim um i i think the trailer for this movie 
was uh, very misrepresentative of the actual film. Very. Thank God. Yeah. Um, I I was really worried because I thought the trailer made it look uh, pretty joyless, actually. Like, it, it did yeah. not look very fun. I uh, was not excited. Yeah. Which it is really... not the tone you want for who, Scream. Yeah. Man, who, who the fuck cut their trailer? To, like, okay, so couple of assumptions there. I mean, first off, it's easy to, it's easy for me to say that. I almost did, just as a gut reaction. Like, who the fuck cut their trailer for them? But in the industry, there are certain extraneous circumstances. Maybe they didn't have as much of the footage they could get a hold of. Other people, you know, in charge could have been preventing them from using some of the footage. You know, there's there's a lot of reasons why a trailer can look like that. But and regardless, is, bummer that it did. This because, is a like, case I, where I don't uh, know. I don't quite know how you make a good trailer for a movie like Honestly, this. yeah, you don't want to give away some of the fun gags but you yeah. want to emphasize that it's funny I you think, know like I this think, movie was really funny it was, it was they, really funny that what, did not come across in the trailer no I, I, I think that if I had carte blanche none of the industry bullshit which maybe the person cutting it together did have probably did I feel like you could do a pretty great trailer with that footage um, so my suggestion would be to take one of the sequences like say the hospital bit any sequence where they're being stalked by the scrim right and he's doing his fun creepy creepy man voice uh, making him answer puzzles like and you take like a short one again like the hospital sequence I think is a good one and uh, you intercut each of his like phrases with a different sequence of someone being chased someone him coming out of wherever else so you get to carry a narrative there for a bit that like being revealed, like having some of that scene revealed wouldn't, or the dialogue of most of that scene wouldn't have ruined much, mm -hmm. you know, or given much away, but it would have had less of asking questions and it would have summarized the tone pretty well. And again, at least do one shot of him slipping or like him bonking his head or something getting hucked at his face because like, yeah. that's my favorite thing like about, uh, okay, I've only ever seen the first one, but like, that's what I always hear about is like the scream killer's kind of incompetent and that's, it's funny. Yes, that's what I, yeah. that's and, one of the things that I like about the ghost face killers and scream as well is that they're always kind of klutzy. I think about the... I, I've also... I've only seen the first one and the fourth one, and it's been years since I've seen either. Well over a decade But I do me, yeah. very clearly remember in the opening sequence of the first scream when he's chasing Drew Barrymore around the house, and he slips and eats absolute shit yes. in the living room. Yeah. And that is, uh, that is something that I like very much about these movies, and we got that back in this one. Yeah, in, 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 in good quantity. <laughs> because, like, the sort of yeah. the crux of Scream is that the killer is always just some guy or girl, you know? Mm -hmm. It's never mm -hmm. the same killer because the killer always dies in the Scream movie, and then a few years later, somebody else decides to become a copycat killer, put on a ghost face costume, and run around stabbing people. Well, this I is mean, the same here. One of the slightly campy things about the premise, too, is, like, the ghost face killer has sort of superhuman strengths in some of the kills. Uh, sure. Yet, mm -hmm. it's just, a, you know, usually like a teenage girl. <laughs> yeah, that was a yeah. point in this one as well. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think one of the best examples of that is probably the first kill in the franchise. And again, it's been well over a decade since I truly remember it. But, like, he takes the, the girl and, like, strings her organs up in the tree. And, like, 
from what I understand, like it, it, they don't. Do they find it during the next day, or is it still that night when they find it? Like, how does he have yeah, that I much time? That it's been such a long you know, time. yeah, they find it that night. It's like, like he would have been working all night into the morning to get all those guts, you know, like strung up in that tree. That takes a long time to decorate. Yeah, like unless you have like a like a forklift or like a you know like an electrical truck, you know, of some yeah. capacity. Like you're not gonna get all that done. And you know, I, I just I always like to imagine like him like scrambling and like falling out of the tree and like trying to like set up this like cornucopsia, you know, if you will, <laughs> like, and yeah, I, I just, I, I, I love, I do love that about the franchise for sure. Um, I shouldn't say the franchise, the first movie, at least, like I said, I've, I've only seen yeah. that one in this one. Well, one of the, the tricky things about, you know, cutting a trailer, like we were talking about earlier is these movies at their core are whodunits. Yes. You know, whodunit teen movies disguised as slasher films. They even literally say that in the movie to yeah. an extent um, about the stab movies, which are stand-ins for the Scream movies. Yes, they are the Scream movies inside the Scream yeah. universe. And so with, with the trailer, you don't want to show a bunch of different people getting chased by the Ghostface killer because process of elimination, right? If sure. anyone could be the killer, you don't want to show a bunch of different people. And I, I think on that subject, like, one of the this film's strong suits is that it is, in a lot of ways, a total retread of the first film, almost exactly. You know, we'll get into details as we get more into spoilers. But at the same time, it genuinely keeps you guessing who the killer is. And despite the fact that it is just, like, the same shit that we've seen over and over again, and this one especially just being, like, it's just the first one again. It even has, like, the same locations, you yes. know? The, the the climax at the end takes place in the same house that, that the first movie does, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so the fact that they're able to still keep you guessing throughout the entire movie is, I think, a testament to how well this film is written, and it makes it all the more of kind of a fuck you when the killer is revealed to be exactly who they've told you who it yeah. is throughout yes. the rest of the movie. And you're like, no, that'd be too obvious. You know? Yeah, well, it's funny because this movie really skewers the, the, the idea of requels. Yes. You know, you know, reboots that are disguised as sequels with this movie clearly being that. It's lit it's exactly well, that. And, and it's yeah. it's beautiful because the Scream films have, have, or at least the first Scream film does a great job of playing commentary on horror tropes. Mm. Right? And All like from what I understand, yeah, yeah that's yeah. sort of like the the whole idea is that the films are very meta because you know they introduce mm -hmm. like talking about like the stab movies as a way for them to literally talk about the films within the film. Um, and you can kind of have your cake and eat it too, because you get the slashery bits, but you also get to like joke about, you know, horror films at the same time. And the idea of taking that same conceit and now using that as an opportunity to talk about requels and yeah. about like these like remake sequels that, you know, are all the rage now is genius. It's really clever and fun and well done. It's the kind of thing that it would be frustrating if they weren't nudge nudge wink winking the literally the entire movie yeah mm -hmm. it would be frustrating yeah. because it would be just like most uh requels to use their word or what we would term a soft reboot it is just doing the same thing over again but with less heart and less charm mm -hmm. and less fun and this movie 
is doing the exact same thing that the first Scream is doing all over again, but it's extremely self-aware and it's constantly pointing out what it's doing yeah. in just yeah, about every it, scene. I mean, one thing that I actually like about it is while we keep a lot of the same of the first Scream, we get modernizations yeah. of today. And, you know, that even that point is skewered in the film, but, like, it's fun to see them reference things like elevated horror yes for example the the opening scene of this movie is exact pretty much exactly the same as the the opening scene of the original scream a girl uh, a teenage girl in her house alone at night she gets you know menacing phone calls from a stranger who's trying to play games with her asking if she likes scary movies but in this movie he's saying he's saying you know oh i'm gonna uh we're gonna play a a a trivia game i'm gonna ask you three questions about the stab movies if you answer them wrong i'm gonna kill your friend i'm outside her house and she has this great moment where she's like, I've only seen those movies like once. I'm more into elevated horror. Like, <laughs> like ask, ask me about, ask me about the Babadook or hereditary or the witch. You know? Yes. It really takes itself just the right amount of seriously right from the beginning. Yeah. yeah it, it sets the tone so well. And, and I love it too, because they really capture like every perspective, you know, they don't just make fun of like the idea of doing soft reboots. They make fun of the people who are a little bit too, serious about soft reboots yeah. like they make fun mm-hmm. of the toxic fans also mm-hmm. and they make fun of like they, they pay homage to like elevated horror like they do like call it that and whatnot but they also kind of make fun of a24 fans and like that sure. rules I, I yeah and it's, it's i mean it, as a it's fan really hard, hard as to a walk fan that of elevated line. horror i found all of those jokes really funny absolutely. yeah they're funny as shit. Yeah. there absolutely is a pretension to those kinds of films and the people who really love them. And I, I think it is fun for a, a, you know, quote unquote, like schlockier, dumber slasher movie to poke fun at those people. Yeah. Well, there's absolutely a type of person that like adores the, you know, elevated a 24 horror movies, but still kind of looks down on most other horror films. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's just skewering those people who take things a little too seriously. And, you know, I'm self-aware enough to know when I'm the butt of a joke and laugh at it. <laughs> you know, I, I get it. Um, that being said, I, I mean, I, I do like, I like I mean, schlock, I, too. I do like schlock, too, yeah. I definitely wasn't the butt of that joke. I would I would never be the butt of that joke. Um, uh, it's all other fans of elevated horror. I'm right. special, and, yeah, I'm I, I'm. We on this how can A twenty four fandom be, right? talk- be toxic? toxic? Yeah, how is that even possible? There's such smart movies. Smart people can't be toxic. No, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarah, I think we're the only two that have seen all four of these movies. All right? five. All, all five, five now. Yeah. yeah. I'll add a little bit of context since you guys haven't seen two or three. Two right. essentially talks about. Uh, I think it's Gale. Writes a book. Courtney Gale, Cox's character. Or Sydney, mm-hmm. one of the two, write a book on the killings, and it's a big deal. They go to college in the second movie, because first one's in high school, second one's, of course, in college. Killer on the college campus. And then the third one. Do that one, again, or you guess? And the third one. <laughs> uh, college campus? Yeah. College. College campus. Uh. And in the third one, that book gets optioned as a film. So it's the stab film 
being created, right? And it's yeah. it's set on like the uh, Miramax lot as they're making these movies. Oh, fun! And like Jay and Silent Bob show up at one point, oh and God. they're running from set to set. Of it was the time, movies, yeah. chasing people. It's fun. It's kind of weird seeing Miramax displayed that heavily nowadays, considering it's such a Harvey Weinstein thing. Yeah, no oh. kidding. Um, Bummer there. But the that movie, I feel like it gets referenced a lot in this one just because it focuses so much on the creation of the Stab film. And they mention it a bit in 4, right, where they show clips of Kristen Bell, for example, in Stab 6 or Stab 7. Yeah. And this one takes it a step further to Stab eight and it's like uh a complete uh reboot sequel where it doesn't take any of the past lineage into account i like how at one point we see jack quaid's character watching like a youtube review of stab eight and (laughs) first they're talking about how uh the people in the YouTube video are, how, are talking about how frustrating it is uh, that it th- that Stab 8 is just called Stab, which is the same as the first one, <laughs> which is just like, this movie is just called Scream, not Scream 5. So I, lo- yeah, I like that little bit. Yeah, I liked that little bit. And then we see clips from Stab 8, and it's like... Ghostface is just like a buff dude in like a hoodie with cut off sleeves with like a golden ghost face mask and like a machine gun. So it's a flamethrower, like... right? Oh yeah, what point he is a flamethrower. <laughs> so they've just like the that franchise has just like completely gone off the rails and you know, just makes me think of something like Hellraiser eight, Hell World, where Pinhead <laughs> is in the computer. Uh-huh. And it's like, yeah, it, it's it's a really nice little uh nice little joke on how ridiculous franchises get when they get to fucking eight movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is it's such a fresh breath of air to get like that degree, like like good meta, because there has been like such a wave of like meta films lately. Um, and I mean, frankly, too, like uh, I think a decent amount of it has been pretty fine, also. But like, I think like the past like four or so pieces of media that like I've like recent current media that I've consumed have been like really like steeped in meta. Like Matrix Resurrections was like rife with meta. I think this film does it way better. I think like like I think Matrix yeah. Resurrections mm-hmm. is a good job with it. I didn't think it did, it did poorly, but this movie fucking nails it. Like this is how you do commentary. And then like Peacemaker as well has a lot of like meta in it too. Like there's uh, a lot of commentary on like these are for like commentary on like cancel culture and other stuff like that, which makes sense because you know, James Gunn, you know, is like the writer director on it, and there's uh, that sort of thing too. So I'm just like, just right now, like, and this, I, I watched all these things like over the past week, and so like I'm just like super steeped in like all these like meta movies now. It's like such a popular thing to do. Yeah, I mean, well, meta's meta's very in right now. Yeah, yeah, the thing I love about the Scream films is while they are very meta. And they reference, you know, trends in horror films consistently. The horror and sequences of the Ghostface killings, they're not necessarily played for laughs, really. Like, this film gets yeah. very gory. Yeah, it is. And it's quite gruesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, the horror sequences aren't really played for laughs much. Mm-hmm. 
I think true. if anything, there's some comedy in horror expectations being subverted. Like, for example, I think of uh, that kid in the house, you know, and each time he does something, we expect the killer to pop out. Wait, like, he opens the refrigerator... And we think mm-hmm. Ghostface is going to be behind yeah, it when he, he keeps. Closed. Oh, he keeps the police officer's son. So yeah. he said yeah. the kid in the house, and I was like, which kid which in which kid house? In which house? <laughs> yeah, I was like trying to think, oh, yeah, the police officer's son. Right, right. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. He's, he continues to, like, open doors, and every time he's, like, about to close a door, there's kind of, like, a swell of music. Like, yes. you're expecting yeah. the killer every time. to, like, super to be behind the door. A but, dark shade behind him on the window. <laughs> he does that, like, they do that, like, four times, <laughs> which is really fun. Funny. That is really funny. Yeah, and like I think that's about as far as they go in terms of comedy in those sequences. Besides Ghostface, sometimes getting hit in the face with stuff and stuff like that. Yes. Like for the most part, they slipping are, and falling and hitting his they head are on the counter. That was the best and gruesome. You know, like mm-hmm. they the the stabbing sequences are brutal. It's one point where you see someone get stabbed in like the cheek. And the knife goes, like, through his cheek, through yeah. the other side. It's just, oh. In his neck. Yeah. Through his yeah. neck, yeah. Fucking rad. Yeah. 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 And the, uh, the disemboweling of Dewey was probably the most brutal to me. Yeah. Spoilers, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they killed. They killed Deputy they killed Dewey. Dewey. They yeah. finally did it. Yeah. yeah well, just, and then they and and then they they comment on that later. Uh, being like, you know, that's something you have to do to make people take a requel seriously is, like, actually kill, the, kill, yeah. like kill one of the established characters. The legacy to show characters, yeah. To show that there's stakes. Yeah, I, I, I like the blend of old and new in this one. You know, we've got um, returning uh, David Arquette and Courtney Cox and Nev Campbell. Um, the trailer makes it seem like the movie is about them mm-hmm. and they're much less present in this movie than I was expecting than the trailer made it out to be and honestly I kind of like that yeah. I'm I feel, glad. I I'm feel glad. like they, they serve a good purpose you know like it's nice to see these familiar faces but they do give like the the, the new blood uh the proper focus, I think they like they they do let it sort of be about the new generation. They Man. avoid the the Halloween kills type of thing, yes. where it's so focused on the legacy of the source material that it they even there's to even a, a line in the third act of this movie where one of the killers says, "You can't make a legit Halloween movie without Jamie Lee." Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I just like immediately thought about Halloween kills and was like. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> or what is it h2o like i mean she yeah was, she was in h2o yeah. as well yeah that's true something um, i found interesting about this one is okay in the prior scream movies relatives of the killers have been killers but in this one a relative of the killer is paralleling sydney prescott's character is not the killer. Yeah. Well, it's yes. the, the toxic fans want her to be like, yes. and the killers the are like fans the toxic fans, of course. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. Like they're just setting up the whole events. Like, no, 
you're going to be the killer. We're going to yeah, stage this whole you. thing so it looks like you. And they're, like, trying to, like, retcon the the narrative, like, yeah. in real life. It's so fucking funny. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was the funniest thing I've seen. Like, and frankly, too, like, it goes back to the kind of thing, like, we do it on the podcast ourselves a lot. Like, where we're like, well, you know, this would have been a better ending if they'd changed this thing. And, like, we, st- I'm still going to do it. Like, because I, I, I yeah. that's, that's, you know, like, those are our perspectives. It's literally like, the point of this podcast. Yeah, like, that's why you're here. Like, um, <laughs> that's but, what we uh, but like I did I did think that was fucking hilarious like when the other just like no you need to retcon this this would be a way better ending and it's like you're watching the character you're kind of thinking like yeah it's really dumb like yeah, yeah like that's a really dumb like outlook like, well, yeah, they, sometimes they, <laughs> like, they set up early on that our protagonist Samantha I think is her name that's right is the the illegitimate daughter of Billy Loomis, who was one of the killer killers from the first one, uh, Skeet Ulrich's character. Yes, best best name in cinema. Oh, yes. <laughs> Skeet Ulrich, <laughs> um, and all the people who are being killed this time around are people who have connections to uh, or or are related to victims from the original film. You've got, like, the twins who are the niece and nephew of Randy, I think, is the character in the first one. Randy Meeks. Randy Meeks, yeah. He's the one who has the house party where he's, like, sitting on the couch and watching the horror movie and be like, turn around, turn around, as Ghostface is coming up behind him. And they have a really great scene later on where his niece is sitting on the couch watching Stab where that scene is happening where he's she's telling him to turn around while Ghostface is also sneaking up behind her at the same time I really like that it it works she recognizes it yeah she's like oh wait a minute yeah like I know why I'm here I I see what I'm doing and turns around and that's why she she doesn't die right there is because she does turn around at the last second right before she gets stabbed so it's like those nice little things and that's such a great example too of like really letting you like have your cake and eat it too Yes, you know because you know she's like she's like the the expert as they call that that archetype you know the one who knows all of the lore and everything and one of the other characters is like well yeah you're the expert so you know you're gonna die right like the expert always does does, but then she actually uses her expertise to not (laughs) die die. (laughs) pulls it out and that the the acting in this movie is all really solid. I mean, mm-hmm. But that character is Jasmine Savoy Brown. That's the actress, and I thought she did a really great job. Yeah, she was really yeah, compelling. Yeah. She's really fun. Yeah, and like, cause she she gets a number of monologues in this film, mm-hmm. and uh, it, frankly, like her first monologue where she she brings up like, oh yeah, like super fans call this a requel, and like all all of that stuff. Um, that's when I was sold on the film because like it's just all the right levels of comedic and kind of sarcastic and engaging that, that really like had me had me there I, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, her, her, I really liked her performance she's too. literally yeah. like explaining what people expect from a requel but the film is also acknowledging that it itself is a requel <laughs> she, she's talking about it's like so you have you have to bring in like the new blood and it cuts to like all of her friends sitting on the couch <laughs> it's like but you also have to have returning characters who are familiar faces and it cuts to David Arquette who's sitting <laughs> on the couch next to them <laughs> 
I I thought it was it was nice to see uh, David Arquette and Courtney Cox back together in this because they were yeah. married in real life. Did they did they get together on Scream One? Is that is that how they? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Is that how they got together? Because I know they were they were married for a while and divorced, and True. I thought it was. Uh, interesting to see them because they get married in pre in prior scream movies right they do in scream and, three, and, in, and in this yeah. one they are divorced they are yeah, yeah. And they kind of emphasize the bad divorce yeah bad divorce I, I thought was very meta it just it just makes me think that either david arquette and courtney cox are like the most consummate professionals in the world or that they've managed to their their divorce was amicable and that yeah. they were able to stay they friends had enough therapy to because 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 like they're and you know like that stuff so that stuff is like actually kind of compelling in this movie you know like i feel i feel bad for david arquette like he's kind of like this sad like washed up cop he's retired from being the sheriff oh yeah he lives in a trailer he's a drunk like he's you know still in love with courtney cox he watches her like news show on tv every day um, but he's also been stabbed. <laughs> right. He's been stabbed nine, nine times. <laughs> so he has like a limp now. He's had yeah. a limp for a while. Yeah. yeah. In like several movies. Because he gets stabbed in like every single screen movie. <laughs> movie. Multiple stabs. Multiple stabs. Yeah. yeah, so they're like they're the, the new kids are like trying to it's enlist his up. help and he's like he's like, I've been stabbed nine <laughs> times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God, it's so it's so good. Um I really like now it was the voice for the killer was that is that the original guy was that like the original i think so yes. i think so um, yeah skeet skeet Olgery, what's his name ulrich ulrich it's, yeah it's his voice distorted yeah. yeah but like i was wondering like i think that they actually did get him to do the lines i don't know that it's actually his skeet ulrich's voice in the original yeah, yeah. Because i don't think on so. the credits someone else was credited as ghostface and i don't know if that's the physical actor or the voice actor mm, yeah yeah i'm not sure i would need to look into that because um, it definitely whoever it sounds did it. it sounds like the same voice mm-hmm. yeah. From, yeah from the original whoever did it did a fucking awesome job like his voice was really compelling and yeah. fun like i love like you can great... hear him like reveling in everything yeah. you know and like yeah well for the next question you know like uh-huh. and get, getting all excited which again like makes it all the funnier when he beefs like and he just like fucking slams his head against the you know he gets his head slammed against the counter or whatever else like it's great and what i loved is a lot of like lesser films would have made the voice changer like a big dramatic reveal and here Um, it's done sort of as a quick one-off like uh you know four or five four or so kills in or like sequences in you just see the killer like before they speak like activate like a red light on their neck Mm -hmm. and then they say their lines and that's and it's never referred back to again. They never really, like, mention it beyond that. It's just enough where it's like, cool, we get it. You get it. Yeah. We get it. Moving on. And I, and I appreciated that, too. Like, like there wasn't a big moment. It's like, oh, well, wait, but you're a girl. How is your, how are you doing the voice? We were using voice changers, you know, or he clicks the button and then he says something with it on, you know, because the audience, quote, like, needs to see it. There's none of that bullshit, you know? They're like, so many movies fall into that trap, you know, where there's that sequence. It's like, oh, but why did you sound like him or whatever? Click, I did it because I have the voice changer. Like, like. It yeah, you just, see, you just see the killer like press the button, you know, and there's like a little red light under his yep. robe. And well, later so you like... have Jack Quaid using the voice changer to talk to the girlfriend at the end sequence. That's right. And yeah. that was kind of fun, you know, because he's just kind of reveling in the reveal. 
a, a realization that I had, and maybe I was just slow, but a realization I had as I was falling asleep last night after we saw this movie, it's like one thing that bothered me that they did a couple of times is they, they did it twice in the, in the beginning scene when the girl gets attacked and then in the hospital when her sister gets attacked the first time is like they're talking to the killer on the phone and then the killer comes out from behind them and Mm -hmm. attacks them and I was just sitting there in the theater thinking I'm like if they were talking to them on the phone they would have heard the person in the room with them this is fucking stupid and it's like as I was drifting off to sleep last night I was like oh it's because there's two of them. There's two killers, yeah. because the other killer's talking to them on the phone while the one killer's in the room. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it was it was like one little thing that was like, mm, yes. suspension of disbelief, and then I, I realized later what they were doing. Hell yes. You nailed it. Mm-hmm. Took me a while, but I got yeah. there. But I got there. To go back to what you're saying, I really did also like the inclusion of um, the original characters. Because there is something just, like, magical about those original screen characters. Yeah. yeah. But um, they, they were not on screen long enough to distract from the new characters. Right. Yeah. The new yeah, characters were really all well given balanced. enough time to be in there. And it's, like, at the risk of sounding like the killers in this movie, uh, <laughs> like, the, the Star Wars films, for instance, do a terrible job of that in the, the, the new ones. Yeah. We don't get anywhere near enough time to relate with and, like, get to know the the main protagonist because we're focusing on Luke, Leia, Han like the whole time and we're cutting back to like those those same core characters. So like the new people are like, who? Kylo who? You know? Like it's like, oh, well he has a neat mask, I guess. But like, which I mean, that's kind of always been Star Wars. Like the characters are just scenery. But here we, yeah, we get to learn who each person is and get good time in with them. Even like the 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 police officer's son we were talking about, like when he's opening Mm -hmm. the fridge and closing it and stuff, like he gets a, a, a nice bit of dialogue with the other characters and you know, is, is is set up well enough. There's some nice scenes with him and his mother, you know, as well. I, I, what I really thought was interesting about that character is uh, that in 2022, he had frosted tips. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. <laughs> an excellent callback. <laughs> Which I just kept thinking, it's like, yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, this is so, odd. it's just like such a 90s thing. Like, yeah. nobody has hair, like, no 18-year-old in 2022 <laughs> has that hairdo, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But what's really interesting, too, to kind of comment on what you're saying, Cleveland, about the the Scream movies in general is that they do ape slasher films in that we get to know characters, but only to a certain depth. And the depth tends to correlate with how long they're in the movie. Right. And so it is really meta in that sense as well, right? That, that they're very... Uh, parallel to how traditional slashers are done. God, you, you compare this to Halloween Kills, where they literally like shine a spotlight on the original people and have to explain to us who they are. Like, yeah, and it's really? pathetic, honestly, man. Honestly, like, it's it's is, pathetic next to this. This was the perfect time to release this movie. Yeah, like so hot on the heels of Halloween Kills that does everything they're making commentary on in this movie. Halloween Kills. Does, does it wrong completely sincerely like they're doing a lot of the same stuff in this movie but they're you know nudging and winking at us and that you know it's very obviously it's very obvious that they're doing it intentionally where halloween kills does all of that same stuff deadly serious yep you know like completely sincerely evil dies tonight evil dies tonight <laughs> <laughs> yep evil dies tonight 
evil dies tonight. And yeah, it just it goes to show like, in every way. I just yeah, I was so I think so grateful. Only, for I think this they film. only said twenty five years ago once in this movie at the they very did. end. Thank God. Yeah, once. I did that one time. My, my hackles went up a little bit. No. I'm like, please say it only once. They yeah, did, please don't I, say I it again. And for the same reason, yeah. <laughs> they kind of did it intentionally. Yeah, there was a bit uh, of like. I guess we can probably go into spoilers yeah. now. I we've been we've in spoilers. We've kind of dropped. We, yeah. We've like named like who dies and shit. Yeah, we've yeah. been in spoilers. Yeah. yeah, you're good. Um, the killers are super fans, right? Yeah. So like. One of them moved into the original house where the third act of the first movie happens. And so the third act of this movie yeah. happens in the same house. I, I don't know if you guys noticed, it was a memorial party for Wes, as mm-hmm. in Wes, Wes Craven. Yeah. Oh, uh, Wes I didn't is, that. Uh, yeah, Wes is the name of the, the sheriff's son mm-hmm. who, uh, who dies. Yeah. I they did do a nice little four Wes uh, thing at the end too mm-hmm. in the credits. Yeah, um, but it was clear that that's yes, you know, intentionally for Wes Craven, of course. Um, and uh, they're you know they're super fans, and they 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 go into how it's uh, the twenty five year anniversary to the day, and like that's a plot point. Right, you know, intentionally they're doing this at mm-hmm. that date, you know, to make a big thing of it. Yeah, you know, it's bringing up that nostalgia for, you know, very direct purposes in the film, uh, which I I thought was very clever. Oh, that's a great catch. Uh, speaking of not catching things, um, having only seen the first one so long ago, I didn't remember any of the main characters' names or really mo- the majority of the plot even. I remember like that, a couple of like visual sequences, and that's about it. For someone without much of the knowledge or experience with the films, all of the references, like none of them were so heavy-handed that like I felt like I was missing out by not yeah. seeing the other movies. Um, it's all really nicely balanced, and that's hard, that can be hard to do. Uh, That's true. Yeah. You know, they weren't they weren't expecting me to like to hold on to the whole tie because like, mm-hmm. oh god, I mean the the, the saw films are the, like probably like exhibit A for how to do that horribly. You know, it's like like if you if you go into like saw like four or five like without what seeing the, the other ones, yeah, what the, like, fuck what the fuck is, fuck is going, going on? on? <laughs> yeah, like like you have no fucking clue. Like it's it's a mess. People are you know who's jigsaw? I don't know. Like yeah. you know by that point and. Um, like, yeah, by the time by the time you get to Saw three, like if you haven't seen any of the prior films, you're totally lost. So by like Saw five, Jigsaw's, Jigsaw's been dead for two movies, right? Like, yeah, yeah like what? <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be so confused. Um, uh, whereas uh, with this, like, no, nah, totally fine, and yeah. largely because we we're, we're we get to focus on our new characters. I think if I hadn't had that, I would have been. If the movie had had focused much more on the original characters, I would I would have not had as great of a time. Yeah, well, that's another reason that I was kind of like wary going into this based off the trailer is that like it's really heavy on like David Arquette and Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox. Mm-hmm, and I'm like, it is, and I'm like, okay, I guess we're doing this again, you know, and I. The more that I think about, the more that I think that the trailer is probably uh, in and of itself kind of meta commentary. Yeah, because yeah. It's yeah like, like it's, they're trying to con us into thinking they did it wrong. They're trying to con us into thinking that because we're all worried they were. Yeah. They're trying to con us into thinking it's like what you would expect from a Scream soft reboot in 2022. Yeah, they're like setting you up to be like, 
this looks That's like really this looks funny. like another Halloween movie, <laughs> you know. But and then it's That's it's really funny, actually. Yeah, and then it really is just like it's like no, these characters are here and they do have some importance to the story, but you know, it's not it's not really about that, no. you know. Well, again, it's the, the the killers who are the super fans who are doing things to like lure all of the original characters back in, you know. It's got they're they're trying to get all of these people into one location so they can, you know, create their perfect stab sequel or whatever. And then what we end up getting <laughs> yeah. is that it ends is that it ends up ending just like the first one does where the killers who are again trying to create their own horror movie just like every horror movie the killer fucking dies at the end you know right like they <laughs> they they eat shit one of the things i loved about this one was like some some of the motivations of past scream killers have been revenge for the deaths of their family members or the reputations of their family members the killers in this movie are motivated by revenge for the reputation of their franchise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And for it's the talking fandom. about like talking about toxic fandom in that context is just hilarious. Yeah, how uh, Jack Quaid even has has the lines like, "How can a fandom be toxic?" <laughs> <laughs> And it's like that that is a little on the nose. No, no, but like his lack of self awareness. Like I've seen that time, in people yeah. and it, oh it's beautiful. Like And yeah. it's like, yeah, these these killers are just people who are mad at the last Jedi. You know, it's as someone who's mad at the last Jedi, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. I've heard people perseverate on their anger at the last Jedi for close to an hour before yeah yeah i, I, I kind of i kind of hate star wars and so i think the last jedi is actually the best of the new mm, the new yeah. trilogy but bold uh, but it's because it does so much that pisses oh, people off wait hold on actually this i think goes as far as to show like how mu- how much i'm actually maybe not a fan i totally thought you were talking about the rise of Skywalker. I got them mixed. I mean, up. they're bad. They're all badly made. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. yeah. I, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah that okay, one. Go that me. one was abysmal. Yeah, that's the one uh, I don't like. No, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I actually did. I for the whatever dumb record I did like. Yes, you did like the rise. Of Skywalker. I, 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 blue, blue milk, good. Whichever one is that one that has the blue milk in it. Uh, the second one. The the second one of the three. The third one I don't. Third one I don't like. The third one I don't like because I, I no shot lasted longer than six seconds and I was like please slow down I'm an old man like that was yeah that was uh, that was my problem with the last Jedi in a nutshell. But um, anyway, moving those on. Are, those yeah. are those are the villains <laughs> in this. I have to say the having the red ear not directors direct this movie makes so much sense looking back on it totally right because ready or not is very self-aware and tongue-in-cheek and it feels like such a perfect match yeah for you know directors and material looking back in hindsight it feels like they're the only people who could have made a good Scream, <laughs> right? scream 5. You know? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are others who could have pulled it off, but yeah, they uh, they they just they really nailed this one. Oh, yeah, what I was saying about Jack Quaid, he plays Samantha's boyfriend, who when they're uh, you know, he comes back to Woodsboro with her to help her, you know, solve the the mystery or whatever. Uh, but he is like a noted stab fan. And when they first meet David Arquette and he 
uh, like explains like the rules of stab because there have been so many of them now that there are rules. He's like like the first one is like never trust the love interest. Yes, and that happens so early on in the movie, and it's like so on the nose that I was act that I was actually like, yeah, there's no way it's him. Like there's no way, like there's no way it's Jack Quaid. Like that's and way plus, too. He's that's such way. A doofus. It's like that's yeah. way too obvious. He's like such a doofus, and like he's the love interest who she's only known for six months. And Deputy Dewey like makes a point about it. Like that's way too obvious, and it feels like a nice little kind of cheeky slap in the face that they're like, of course it's fucking him. We told you it was gonna be him. It's obviously him. Like of course it's him. You dumb idiot. Like we told you that it was him you know and and it does turn out to be him it was the same with uh with the other girl amber you know she's like weirdly like hostile towards the sister she's like super possessive super possessive yeah exactly survives her attack so the first victim survives the attack right and then this is her best friend who's really possessive of her and who was the one who was it was like the killer texting from her phone and he says on the phone is like yeah uh, your friend amber doesn't uh keep good enough uh, uh doesn't pay good enough attention to her phone so it was easy to clone it and i was like what he didn't just steal it he cloned her phone with the who the fuck is this fucking a like, toxic tech, fan tech wizard <laughs> tech wi- well no it's like, just her they're just, just using her like she's a toxic fan and she's like over embellishing right yeah like i thought that was so flimsy it's like the killer is like a tech genius who has like cloned the friend's phone and it's like no the friend is just also the killer and they're just texting him from her phone like that's it's it's so good it's so good i i almost want to say they kind of play that up later in the movie with the jock character doing the find my phone thing yeah And the find my phone thing kind of leads him into uh, a run-in with Ghostface. He's, they're talking about that at the very beginning when we're first introduced to those characters and his girlfriend is like trying to convince him to turn the find my phone thing on so like she can know where he is all the time. And then the West character is like, is like, no, there's a psycho on the loose. You want to keep your location turned off. That's how they can find you. And then later that is exactly <laughs> what, yeah, that is exactly oh, what they That's do. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was really funny. It's amazing. Uh, I mean, honestly, this movie is, like, so full of, like, little details Mm -hmm. and fun little, like, little moments. I mean, several that, like, I had missed that y'all have brought up that, yeah, I think we could be here all day. Oh, something funny that I caught. There's, like, a really minor detail, but I got really fixated on it towards the end of the movie. They kill Amber uh, by setting her on fire, right? She, like, hits the stove and turns it on, and then they, like, throw something at her, and she, like, lands on the fire. And They and shoot her. They yeah. shoot her, that's yeah. right. And she, and she, uh... Extra brutality. And she falls onto the stove and catches on fire. And I don't know if you guys caught it, but earlier when she's, like, chasing them around, they, like, th- one of them, like, throws a big glass bottle at her. And there's... Yeah. Off screen, you can hear her say, you hear Amber say, like, oh, not the hand sanitizer. And in the moment, I'm like, 
that's such a weird like what that's such a weird line and it's because that's why she catches on fire yep i guarantee it's because in the test screening that line was not in there and people watching it did not get that the bottle that they threw at her was hand sanitizer because it's not clear at all or it's like commentary on that like Like it's like commentary on staging it's so hard to tell yeah it's it's really hard to tell but it's like so why did she catch on like why did she like immediately go up in flames as soon as she touched the flame and so they went back in and adr that line (laughs) (laughs) it's really funny it is yeah so many great moments and again too like uh you're so right about like the kills you know and the tone there like once again being able to have your cake and eat it too the the you you get you get the comedy you get to make fun of it all and enjoy the the goofiness and in the same breath like really enjoy it for just being a good slasher film yeah. and having those great slashery moments and i was i was so happy for that because i remember we were walking into the theater and once again we were worried about the trailer and i i remember saying hey it's it might it could be okay because it's r it's a hard r rating and they just maybe they can't show a lot of that stuff in the trailer and that kind of was the reality so yeah. like hooray like yeah which is very good so i was happy to be right about that one what a gift and, and frankly a rare thing um especially uh in january which is one other point i wanted to make this is my last point actually i think this movie could have almost done with a line about how stab seven isn't very good and then someone saying it was but it you know they released it in january so like it got a bad rap <laughs> Like, I feel like you could have almost gotten away with, you know, a line like that, too, for how self-aware this movie was. Um, It would have fit right in. Like, it's like, you know, like, and again, I've never fucking subscribed to Fuck You, It's January. There's just so many things in the industry that can come up or reasons why a film can be released in January. Well, I mean, it's honestly good counter-programming to put this one out in January because uh, I think it's expected to do really well at the box office. Because Spider-Man is slowing down, so this mm. is the big it's thing time. to replace more, it in Morbius number one Morbius got spot. pushed yeah. to to the summer. Again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that movie's never coming out. I know, right? <laughs> uh, are we covering that one? I know yeah, we just yeah. talked about that. Yeah, we are. Yeah. I, I loved how they showed a trailer before the movie for that, and it still said January. <laughs> oh, I did! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if yeah, fucking Marvel can fuck that up, I, I feel better about, yeah, like, whenever we have to delay a release or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah good, good. And, you know, I, I do subscribe to Fuck You, It's January, uh, just because, like, as a trend, it is generally the case. Not always. Sure. I think this is, this one is a good example of, like, as you said, Ben, it kind of does feel like counter-programming a little bit. Like, it feels like the perfect time for this movie mm-hmm. to come out. But, I mean, yeah, generally... Movies that, especially horror movies that come out in January, are like bottom of the barrel. Usually, we've had some good ones. Underwater was fucking. We love that movie. Oh, because like I guess we were in the minority because like most Under, people fucking hated Underwater. Underwater was like late February, I think. Oh, was it? I yeah. guess when it was January. No, the what was January was the Grug. The Grug. <laughs> that was that a January one, film. That one was yeah. terrible. And that, that one, I, true January. That was a fuck you. It's January. Was, was the Grug? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I think last. I think 2021 January we got uh, another soft reboot. We got Psycho Gore Man, but that 
that wasn't theater. That wasn't a theatrical release. Yeah. So I I don't think it really counts. But um, grug you. It's yeah. January. I mean, I I must say, like, I'm I'm overall like very happy that this is our first new film of the year. That it turned out to be so strong. I think it's uh, as as a requel, it perfectly fits with our theme for the year of doing yes! sequels. Like, I feel like this is a really good way to kick that off. The year begins. Uh, the year begins. <laughs> yes. And with a new movie too. Mm-hmm. Um. I, it is a shame that this is our first time talking about Scream on the podcast because I, I do uh, feel like we definitely do need to do an episode on at least the first one. At some yeah, point. I'd love yeah. to revisit um, it. Yeah, they're great. But uh, yeah, I mean, this one kept the legacy going. I think I will say I very, very much hope that this is the last one. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels like the perfect way <laughs> to close the franchise and... If they make another one, I think it will uh, deflate a lot of what's good about this one. Definitely not another one tied to this. Like, give it, give it like two decades and give it to a new young director. Like, that's fine. But yeah, like, maybe. give it, give it like a decade, like minimum. <laughs> like, please, do not put one another one out in two to three years. Yeah. Please. I mean, this this one. You feels, did it. You nailed it. Like, one, drop the mic and yeah. walk away. <laughs> it feels like the perfect way to end the franchise. It's it's. Very much a retread of the first one, but is self-referential about that. It, you know, makes a lot of good, fun commentary on, like, elevated horror and what's expected out of soft reboots and stuff. And they end it in the same house in the same way, you know, with, like, the the pull out from the house Mm -hmm. with, like, all the cops and the person on the news talking, you know. And it just feels like, okay... Cool. You've bookended it perfectly. This was your love letter to Wes Craven. You dedicate the movie to him. Now let him and this franchise rest in peace. Please. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I'm okay with them doing another Scream when there's new things in horror to comment on. Yeah. You know, and... Likely you gotta give it some that, time. That won't be for another at least five to ten years. Yeah, I would say at least wait a decade if you're gonna do another yeah. one, which is one of the only. Uh, I think this is maybe the only franchise I would ever say like give it a decade before you do another <laughs> one. Um, but I mean, overall, like I think I think this franchise has like said what it needs to say, um, at least for the time being. Like yeah. you said, so. Hopefully we're not going to get another one of these in two years. And goddamn, if fucking Radio Silence does another one, I think that would be insulting, frankly. Yeah, they'd like do the the puppet master thing where it's like <laughs> Littlest Right comes out and then like immediately like Full Moon puts out another one and it's like, oh no, what did you do? Like, why would you retcon the only good one? Oh no, like yeah, that would be that would be nice to that would be nice to see. Um, them not do that. It would be yeah. That would be nice to see them not do <laughs> Sorry, that. Yeah, yes, phrasing right. Had, uh, had a few salters. Um, what? Uh, anything else from anyone? Let's, let's rate this. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. ready. Uh, why don't you start then, Cleve? Uh, you know, honestly, uh, I'm. I'm doing my usual thing. I. I was feeling really hot on it coming out of the theater, and I'm. Uh, and I was gonna kind of wait, and as we talked it through and processed our thoughts collectively, decide by the end if there were any you know, nitpicks that maybe we could have like hadn't thought about or agree on or whatever. And there were none. So I, I feel pretty, pretty comfy, like pretty comfortable, like slapping a five on this. I wouldn't ask for anything to be different. Um, I wouldn't want anything changed. And for me, that's plenty good enough to put a five on it. 
I got five on it. Well, for me, uh, I thought this film was fantastic. Again, talk about a fantastic pairing of directors and material. Um, this film is the best film of 2022 yeah. so far. Um, this is a strong four out of five for me. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, what about you? Yeah, I, I have a lot of affection for the Scream franchise in general. And uh, I thought this one really did it proud. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. It's really funny. It's fun, entertaining. Um, and I given it a four and a half. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I'm i going to give it a four. I think uh, it is much more than I was expecting out of this movie and just about everything I could want from it. Um, but, you know, I, I do like my elevated horror. And uh, <laughs> I I think that there's... This one's not quite as elevated as it could be, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a four. You still, you still prefer the Babadook? I still, I still, prefer, I still prefer the Babadook. Awesome. I still prefer the witch. Uh, Jordan Peele, he's a great director. Jordan Peele, he's a great director. Uh, and you know that in and of itself is how I make my rating meta. Uh, so. Four out of five. Uh, But that will give uh, Scream, Scream 5, or just Scream, uh, an average of 4.4 out of five. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, starting the year off very, very strong. Indeed. Next week, we're doing our first uh, sequel episode. It's Cleveland's pick. It is. And uh, are you sticking with... Uh... I am. I actually, I spoke with some other peers about it, and they highly recommended it to me. Mm. So I'm I'm very excited. Uh, you may remember this, oh, long-time listeners. Um, also, thank you for being a long-time listener, if you do get this. Um, and if you're not, too, I, we, we also love you. Please stick around. Uh, but anyway, The Giver. The Giver. Dos. <laughs> We're doing it. We're doing the Giver 2. Dark Hero. Dark, Dark Hero. Hero. I thank you for saying that because I didn't know that was the subtitle. Uh, uh, we're doing the Giver Dark Hero. Um, not not featuring Mark Hamill uh, as a lie, but this time uh, David Hayter. Starring Solid Snake. Solid Snake himself. The real Solid Snake. And uh, that's pretty dope. So we're going to watch a spooky Sentai film based on a, on a manga. And it's going to be... Wet and wild, hopefully. Well, to prepare yourself for that episode, we discussed the original Giver film uh, pretty much exactly two years ago. I think it was either uh, December of 2019 or January of 2021. It was uh, was 2020. 2020, yes, excuse me. So yeah, if you haven't listened to it, go back and check out that episode. And, uh, that episode. episode. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that, that episode, man. Uh, it's pretty good. It's a good check out the episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the sponsor. It's time for the sponsor. <laughs> Let's see what the sponsor has to say. All right. Well, this episode is. Bri- <laughs> 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 I was trying. I was trying to keep them together. <laughs> okay, this episode is brought to you by that nasty little freak. You know who I'm talking about. It's that nasty little freak. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. 
<laughs> so nasty and freaky. That nasty little freak. Well, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, if you like the show, leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I think I heard that you can leave reviews on Spotify now. Wow. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Uh, I haven't confirmed that if myself. So do that. But if you're listening to this on Spotify and you see a place to leave us a review, do it. Yeah. Do it. Uh, <laughs> do it for you this can, episode. You can, <laughs> you, you can support us on Patreon. <laughs> At patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. <laughs> Shoutouts to honorary pod boys Sam Simon and Sarah, Sarah Marshall. Marshall. Oh my god. More, honorary pod whatever. boys. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you want to be if you want to be cool like Sarah, if you want to be cool like Sarah, then uh, head over to Patreon and toss us a few bucks, maybe, if if you feel like it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for a Light Arc Studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As we put out progress on It Stares Back, stay tuned for more cool Drowned Queen content. Um, and uh, you can also find my work on DreadXP.com, where we've got all sorts of cool video games for you to play, and uh, hopefully soon merch for you to buy. Um, and uh, uh, as of this episode, Thid, um, uh, almost said it normally that time, we gotta be careful. Uh, um, Sucker for Love is out. Go play it. It's amazing. You can date Cthulhu, get some Cthussy, all right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tisa's just over here shaking his head. It's beautiful. Um, straight uh, to jail. Straight to horny jail. <laughs> straight to horny jail. Go straight to, go straight to horny jail and play soccer for love. It It is a game where you can date elder like like the lovecraftian pantheon um it's genius it's hilarious it's fun it's also kind of legitimately scary at times um and it really just threads the needle on like uh references to virtual novel games anime from the 90s and the lovecraftian pantheon like they the they really did their research with it, and they're like, if you're a Lovecraft fan, like you can really pick up on some cool details um is so this cat in the game there actually is an amazing reference to it, but I won't spoil it. Like, it's really clever and actually toes the line. I didn't think you could get away with making a joke about that, but they actually do it. Like, it's, oh, it's really good. Anyway, go play the game, please. It's so funny. Sarah, do you have anything you'd like to plug? I do. I have a limited social media presence, but you can find me on Psychology Today. Wow. And oh. If you would like to, uh, if you're a horror fan or just a podcast fan who would like a therapist, look me up. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. D do it. Do it to it. I'm actually off Instagram right now. I'm taking a break. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. I, that's, I should probably take a break from Twitter. I respect that. But I that. never will. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's it. Uh, I forgot to mention in the Scrim movie that uh, one of the, the people gets killed while Nick Cave's red right hand is playing. And, I only, right hand. and I only mention that so it'll make sense when that outro music starts right now. All right. Bye. <laughs> Yeah.